0: The person who gave the whistleblower of the information, because that's close to a spy. You know what we used to do in the old days, where we were smart, right? the spies and treason We used to handle it a little differently than we do now.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling there's something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair.
2: From Pacifica Radio, this is The broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. Elsewhere in California, on KFOI Red Bluff Redding, KKRN Round Mountain, KGOE Eureka. In Oregon, on KYAQ on the Central Coast, KSO on Cottage Grove, KEPW Eugene. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, WLRI, Maui, Hawaii, KAKU. Columbus, Ohio, WGRN, Palinville, New York, WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan, WPRR, New Orleans, Louisiana, WHIV, in Gallup, New Mexico, we're on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire, WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas, KPSQ, Seattle, Washington, KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin, WADR, Minneapolis, St. Paul, AM 950 KTNF, and coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indy Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, blanketing the globe five days a week. Usually hosted by Brad Friedman of bradblog.com, but today you've got me, Nicole Sandler, of NicoleSandler.com, where The Nicole Sandler Show is based. Now, I'm happy to fill in for Brad Friedman whenever he needs me, but these last couple of weeks, especially, he's been dealing with something pretty horrible. As you may know, Brad's father on September 11th suffered a pretty massive stroke. Brad and Desi have been in Arizona with their family, consulting with doctors and trying to figure out how to proceed, and sometimes the decision is made for you. I'm sorry to have to pass along the news. Harvey Wayne Friedman passed away on September 24th. Brad and Desi are now flying to St. Louis, where the funeral will be held. And unfortunately, this coincides with the Jewish High Holy Days. So bear with us. I'm here for Brad as long as he needs me. Thank you for being patient, and I hope you're enjoying the programs we're doing in Brad's absence. Just know he's working to get back as soon as he can. But obviously, his family comes first at this moment. So that's the latest news. I'll be in for Brad most of next week as well. Angie Coyra will join me when she can. And we'll keep the news flowing here for you until Brad returns. And what a time for him to be out, huh? There is so much news going on. I'll do my best to sort of bring you up to date on what's happened in the last 24 hours or so. And then later on in the hour, we will speak with John Bonifaz. John Bonifaz is the president and founder of Free Speech for People. They're at freespeechforpeople.com. And he and two of his colleagues over there wrote a book last year called The Constitution Demands It, The Case for the Impeachment of Donald Trump. So we will delve into that as well. But first, we'll get started in just a moment with the latest news. I'm Nicole Sandler, in for Brad Friedman, on this edition of the Bradcast. Hey, this is
1: Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves.
2: Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Nicole Sandler of NicoleSandler.com, filling in for Brad and Desi while they're out um, taking care of family issues. There's a lot of news out there, so I thought for the next segment we'd go through what's happening. Now, I've got to admit, with all the major stories <laughs> that have dominated the news of late, frankly, we've been remiss in covering some of the more ludicrous utterances from Cheeto Mussolini, but as the walls are closing in on him, his meltdowns are becoming more prolific and more insane. For example, (laughs) all you have to do is look at his Twitter feed. Friday morning, 7.02 a.m., Donald Trump tweeted, quote, To show you how dishonest the lamestream media is, I used the word little, L-I-D-D-L-E, apostrophe, not little, L-I-D-D-L-E. In describing, misspelled, corrupt, capitalized C, Congressman Little, with the apostrophe, Adam Schiff, low-rating CNN, purposely took the hyphen out, hyphen, and said, I spelled the word Little wrong, a small but never-ending situation with CNN. Ah, this is the President of the United States saying that Spelling a word little as capital L I D D L E apostrophe is somehow a thing. And that's different from little spelled capital L I D D L E without the apostrophe. What? And then he calls it a hyphen instead of an apostrophe, not that the apostrophe means anything. Is it me? I don't think I'm crazy. Okay. So there is that, which frankly, I, I, I I can't explain. But let's go to another one. All right. Trump is going berserk over Adam Schiff's paraphrasing of a phone call between Trump and Ukraine's president, right? This happened at the hearing uh, the other day when the acting director of national intelligence, Joseph Maguire, was testifying. And uh, Adam Schiff, he sort of, he paraphrased the conversation between Donald Trump and and Ukraine's president, um, by, say, by, by dramatizing the essence of what the, how the conversation went. Let me play for you the tape.
3: And what is the president's response? Well, it reads like a classic organized crime shakedown.
2: It sure reads of like it's a-
3: rambling character, and in not so many words, this is the essence of what
2: the, the president
3: communicates. The essence. We've been very good to your country. Very good. No other country has done as much as we have. But you know what? I don't see much reciprocity here. I hear what you want. I have a favor I want from you, though. And I'm going to say this only seven times, so you better <laughs> listen good. I want you to make up dirt on my political opponent, understand lots of it. Right? On this and on that. I'm going to put you in touch with people, and not just any people. I'm going to put you in touch with Attorney General of the United States, my Attorney General, Bill Barr. He's got the whole weight of the American law enforcement behind him. And I'm going to put you in touch with Rudy. You're going to love him, trust me. You know what I'm asking, and so I'm only going to say this a few more times, in a few more ways. And by the way, don't call me again. I'll call you when you've done what I asked. This is, in sum, in character what the President was trying to communicate. With the president of Ukraine, it would be funny if it wasn't such a graphic portrayal of the president's oath of office.
2: So again, he said, in essence, uh, in essence, what he was getting, uh, how did he put it? This is in sum and character what the president was trying to communicate to the president of Ukraine. The problem is the Republican dolts on the House Intelligence Committee can't seem to follow along. And Donald Trump is just... Well, to quote Kim Jong-un, a dotard. Uh, so, so Trump tweets about that, what you just heard. Rep. Adam Schiff totally made up my conversation with Ukraine president and read it to Congress and millions, capitalizing the M in millions, he must resign and be investigated. He has been doing this for two years. He is a sick man. <laughs> really? Okay. Um, How about some breaking news? Here's some real breaking news. As of Friday afternoon, the House Committee on Foreign Affairs subpoenaed Secretary of State Mike Pompeo for documents related to Donald Trump's interactions with Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky as part of its impeachment inquiry. The subpoena, which demands Pompeo provide documents by October 4th, was accompanied by a plan to depose Five, count them, five State Department officials, including Ambassador Kurt Volker, who reportedly arranged for Trump's personal lawyer, that would be Giuliani, to meet with high-level Ukrainian officials, and Marie Yovanovitch, who was removed as the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine by Donald Trump. The subpoena documents shall be part of the impeachment inquiry and shared among the committees. Your failure or refusal to comply with the subpoena shall constitute evidence of obstruction of the House's impeachment inquiry. This was written by the House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Elliot Engel, House Intelligence Committee Chair Adam Schiff, and House Oversight Committee Chair Elijah Cummings in a joint letter to Pompeo. Now, the depositions are set to take place between October 2nd and 10th which is during the two-week congressional recess. Okay, now I'm a bit apoplectic over the fact that the House is now out for a two-week recess. But apparently the committees working on the impeachment inquiry will continue their work. Thank goodness for small miracles. All right, so in other news, there's other stuff going on since the last time we spoke. The Washington Post is running with a story saying... Efforts to shield Trump's call with the Ukrainian leader was a part of a broader secrecy effort. The White House has taken extraordinary steps over the past two years to block details of Donald Trump's phone calls with foreign leaders from becoming public, this following embarrassing disclosures early in his administration that enraged the president and created a sense of paranoia among his top aides. So they tightened things up. The number of aides allowed to listen in on secure drop lines was slashed. The list of government officials who could review a memo of the call's contents, that was cut. Fewer copies of transcripts went to agencies, and they were stamped with, eyes only, do not copy. And some officials who deliver call memos had to sign for the records to create a custody record if they were to leak, according to people familiar with the moves who spoke on the condition of anonymity to describe them. At one point in 2018, defense department officials were even asked to send back transcripts of calls to the White House after Trump aides grew worried they'd be disclosed. Wow. It's always the cover-up, isn't it? Now onto the impeachment process. Where reports point to Nancy Pelosi pushing for a very narrow focus on Ukraine. A senior Democratic aide said there will be quote very few hearings, if any adding that the coming investigative work will largely take place in closed-door interviews. Okay, I have a problem with that. (laughs) She's going to blow this whole thing. What I believe is that what's needed are many hearings and a wide focus on a number of the most egregious offenses committed by this corrupt president. The American public needs to be part of this, in open, every day, on every television station. And if they were given a choice of a few articles of impeachment on which to vote, Republicans could vote no on some, but yes on one. One is all that's needed. One finding him guilty on one article of impeachment, that's all that's needed to, well, as the saying goes, impeach the mf'er. This is a something that's been debated. There's a lot if you go on the internet, there's a lot of opinions on this. Um, Of course, I think I'm right, but we'll we'll explore it. Now, about the whistleblower complaint, it was released shortly before 9 a.m. on Thursday at the same time that the acting director of national intelligence, Joseph McGuire, was to begin his testimony before the House Intelligence Committee. The allegations made in the complaint were explosive. It accuses Donald Trump of abusing his powers to solicit interference from Ukraine in the 2020 election and the White House of trying to cover it up. White House officials, allegedly disturbed by Trump's July phone call with the Ukrainian president, tried to lock down all of the records of the call, including the word-for-word transcript. Well, with all the pressure, Donald Trump has predictably gone off the rails. At a private event honoring the U.S. mission to the United States Thursday morning. It was a breakfast. He lashed out, ranting that anyone who provided information to the whistleblower is close to a spy. And yes, there's audio.
0: But basically, that person never saw the report, never saw the call, meaning never saw the call, heard something and decided that he or she, whoever the hell, it's sort of like almost a spy. I want to know who's the person that gave the whistleblower. Who's the person that gave the whistleblower the information? Because that's close to a spy. You know what we used to do in the old days where we were smart, right? The spies and treason. We used to handle it a little differently than we do
2: now. We used to handle spies a little differently than we do now. Um, threat much? Do we call the Secret Service when it's the president making the threat? I don't know. Now, about that whistleblower, (laughs) there was just a pretty blatant threat there, right? Despite the need to protect his identity, the New York Times pretty much unmasked him on Thursday. They reported that he is a CIA officer who was assigned to work at the White House. The information the Times published gave enough information that anyone who wanted to identify him now has a roadmap from which to do so. Coming under great criticism for putting this life in danger, Dean Baquet. I think that's how you pronounce it. The executive editor of the New York Times said, quote, the role of the whistleblower, including his credibility and his place in the government, is essential to understanding one of the most important issues facing the country, whether the president of the United States abused power and whether the White House covered it up. Okay, what does that have to do with outing the identity of the whistleblower? Just saying. Uh, New York Times, kind of irresponsible, don't you think? And we remember the last time, well, it wasn't the New York Times who unmasked the identity of a CIA operative. No, that would be uh, Scooter Libby in the Bush administration with Valerie Plame. Well, sad news today to report, Joe Wilson, former Ambassador Joe Wilson, Valerie Plame's husband, has died. Valerie Plame is currently running for Congress from New Mexico. So that happened. Now, Back to the news about the Ukraine affair and the hearing that took place on Thursday. Joseph McGuire, the acting director of national intelligence, told the House Committee that he believed the whistleblower did the right thing and followed the law every step of the way.
0: I want to stress that I believe that the whistleblower and the inspector general, I want to stress that I believe that the whistleblower and the inspector general have acted in good faith throughout. I have every reason to believe that they have done everything by the book and followed the law, respecting the privileged nature of the information and patiently waiting while the executive privilege issues were resolved. Wherever possible, we have worked in partnership with the Inspector General on this matter. While we have differing of opinions on the issue of whether or not it is an urgent concern, I strongly believe in the role of the Inspector General. I greatly value the independence he brings and his dedication and his role in keeping me and the committees informed of matters within the Intelligence Committee. Second, although executive privilege prevented us from sharing the details of the complaint with the committees until recently, this does not mean that the complaint was ignored.
2: No. You know, the big question for McGuire, one that he never adequately answered, at least to my satisfaction, was why— he didn't follow the law why when presented with this whistleblower complaint by the inspector general of the intelligence community who had completed his investigation and found the complaint to be both credible and urgent in nature why mcguire didn't follow the law and turn it over to congress instead he went to the white house the white house where Donald Trump is the subject of the complaint.
3: The first place you went was to the White House. Is, is, am I my to understand that from your opening statement? It wasn't to the Department of Justice. The first place you went for a second opinion was to the
0: White House? I did not go for a second opinion. The question was, is the information contained here subject to executive privilege? Not whether or not it meant urgent concern.
3: And, and so the first place you went for advice as to whether you should provide the complaint as the statute requires to Congress was the White House.
0: I am not authorized, as the Director of National Intelligence, to provide executive-privileged information. I think it is prudent, as a member of the executive branch, to check to ensure that, in fact, it does not. Uh, I'm
3: just asking about the sequencing here. Did you first go to the White House
0: to determine
3: whether you should provide a a complaint to Congress?
0: No, sir. That was not the question. The question was whether or not it has executive privilege, not whether or not I should send it on to Congress.
3: Okay. Is the first party you went to outside of your office to seek advice, a counsel, direction, the White House?
0: I have consulted with the White House counsel, and eventually we also consulted with the Department of Justice, Office of Legal Counsel.
3: And my question is, did you go to the White House first?
0: I went to the Office of Legal Counsel for advice. Yes, sir.
3: That, well, I'm asking what you went to first. Did you go to the Department of Justice Office of Legal Counsel first or did you go to the White House first?
0: I went to the office, my, excuse me, my team, my office, went to the Office of Legal Counsel first to, to receive whether or not the matter in the letter and in the complaint might meet the executive privilege. They viewed it and said, we've determined that it appears to be executive privilege. And until executive privilege is determined and cleared, I did not have the authority to be able to send that forward to the committee. I worked with the Office of Legal Counsel for the past several weeks to get resolution on this. It's a very deliberate process.
3: Well, Director, I'm I'm still trying to understand the chronology. So you first went to the Office of Legal Counsel, and then you went to White House Counsel? We went, excuse me, and then to the
0: Repeat that, please, sir.
3: I'm just trying oh to understand the chronology. God. You first went to the Office of Legal right. Counsel, and then you went to the White House Counsel?
0: No, 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 sir. No, sir. No. We went, hey. to, the, we went to the White House first to determine, to ask the okay, question. Okay. That,
3: that's all I wanted to know is chronology. So you went to the White House first? Yep. So you went to the subject of the complaint for advice first about whether you should provide the complaint to Congress?
2: Exactly.
0: There were issues within this, a couple of things. One, it did appear that it has executive privilege. If it does have executive privilege, it is the White House that determines that. I cannot determine that as the director of national intelligence.
3: But in this case, the the White House, the president is the subject of the complaint. He's the subject of the wrongdoing. Were you aware when you went to the White House for advice about whether evidence of wrongdoing by the White House should be provided to the Congress, were you aware that the White House counsel has taken the unprecedented position that the privilege applies to communications involving the president... Um, when he was president, involving the president when he wasn't president, involving people who never served in the administration, involving people who never served in the administration even when they're not even talking to the president. Were you aware that that is the the unprecedented position of the White House, the White House you went to, for advice about whether you should turn over a complaint involving the White House?
0: Mr. Chairman, as I said in my opening statement, I believe that everything here in this matter is totally unprecedented. And that is why My former directors of national intelligence forwarded them to you whether or not it met urgent concern or whether it was serious. This was different. And to me, it just seemed prudent to be able to check and ensure as a member of the executive branch before I sent it forward.
2: And to me, a United States citizen, I'm beside myself angry that the acting director of national intelligence decided to take it upon himself to not follow the letter of the law and use the prescribed methods to move along the whistleblower's complaint from the inspector general to Congress. Do not go to the White House. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. That's not how it works. But this guy just took it upon himself to take the complaint to the subject of the complaint. And this is why we can't have nice things. Let me share one other bit of audio with you of something that happened on Thursday but got lost in the news with all the uh, impeachment stuff going on. There was another hearing. It was the former director of ICE, Tom Homan, who was testifying during a House hearing. I'm guessing it had to do with detainment at the southern border and family separation and all that. Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal was questioning, again, the former director of ICE, Tom Homan, and just listen to this exchange. This is endemic to the Trump administration, where obviously Donald Trump sets the tone.
0: You have failed to secure the border. You have failed to work with this president to close the three loopholes. We've asked for two years to close. Of so the if you want to know why this issue expired. exists, you need to look in the mirror. You, need, the you have failed American expired. people Mr. who are not Holman. securing the border and closing loopholes.
2: Mr. Homan, please respect the... Chair and the authority you know, of the chair. The time re- of the gentleman has expired. I've asked the you politely to let me go beyond
0: my my time. And you let other people go beyond gen- their time, but not, not to Sorry. Tom Homan. He don't get to go beyond have, his time.
2: Mr. Homan, we have this, this approved is a, this, this is a an agreement this is a between the Republicans and the Democrats with the ranking member. We increased the time of one witness, at uh, one uh, member of Congress who was interrupted by a protest. That is done with the. Approval of the ranking member. Please respect the chair's authority. I respect the chair's authority, but the chair... Mr. Holman! You work for me. me.
0: I'm a taxpayer.
2: Oh, my God.
0: I'm a taxpayer. You work for me.
2: (laughs) The witness will suspend. Wow. I think the House of Representatives needs to reenact their rights of inherent contempt. It is law that... They can hold a witness in contempt, have the sergeant at arms arrest them and take them to the jail cell in the basement of the Capitol building. It's now used for storage or something. Uh, They need to clean it out and get it in shape and start jailing these witnesses who refuse to cooperate. It's time for the Democrats to grow a spine and uh, they're going to need it if this impeachment inquiry is going to turn into anything to hold this corrupt president accountable. I have one more story to share with you before we uh, get to our interview today, and that has to do with Rudy Giuliani. Now, I've tried to stay away from Giuliani just because he's obviously off his meds or something, but this bears repeating. I I couldn't make this up if I tried. I'm just going to read it to you. Rudolph Giuliani is set to make a paid appearance next week at the Kremlin, at a Kremlin-backed conference that includes Vladimir Putin, and other top Russian officials. The news astounded national security experts. Giuliani angrily rejected questions about whether it was appropriate for him to attend the event, at which he also appeared last year. Giuliani declined to say how much he would receive or which group or person would foot the bill, saying, quote, It goes to my company. Current and former White House aides say there is internal exasperation with Giuliani's behavior, and the fact that he doesn't clear his media appearances or paid speeches with the administration. Giuliani has said he works for the president in a personal capacity and does not take a salary from the government or the president. He added, quote, I'm not an idiot. I know you all are going after me. I know what you guys are doing with this, he said. Actually, I think it's pretty clueless. And I haven't even talked about his various meltdowns on CNN over the last couple of days. If you're interested, just Google it. Uh, I'm not going to waste our time on it. All right. Uh, there's much more important stuff going on in the world, as you know. We've got an interview coming up in just a moment with John Bonifaz. John Bonifaz is the president of a group called Free Speech for People, and he's one of the co-authors of the book The Constitution Demands It, The Case for the Impeachment of Donald Trump. That's next. I'm Nicole Sandler, guest hosting this edition of The Broadcast.
3: Bradblog.com slash donate. That's Bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks.
2: Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Nicole Sandler of NicoleSandler.com, filling in for Brad and Desi until they're able to get back. Should you need to get a hold of me for anything? Uh, It could be a guest suggestion. It could be some constructive criticism or feedback or a question. You can always email me, Nicole at NicoleSandler.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at Nicole Sandler. Uh, And you can visit my website, NicoleSandler.com. That's where my show is based. You can get the podcast. It's always free of charge, although we do survive on your donations. Anyway, thank you for welcoming me so openly. Obviously, the subject that's on most American minds these days is impeachment, which brings us to our guest today. John Bonifaz is with us. He's the president of Free Speech for People and one of the co-authors of the book, The Constitution Demands It, The Case for the Impeachment of Donald Trump. Now, the book was originally published last year, so you've been calling for the impeachment of Trump for a while now.
4: Yes, we have. In fact, we launched our impeachment campaign co-launched it on the day of the inauguration of Donald Trump because he refused to divest from his business interests prior to taking the oath of office, and that set him on a collision course with the two anti-corruption provisions of the Constitution, the Foreign and Domestic Emoluments Clauses. He's been treating the Oval Office as a profit-making enterprise at the public expense since taking the oath of office. And this president, unfortunately, has engaged in committing many other impeachable offenses since that time, leading to the most recent impeachable offenses connected with the Ukraine scandal.
2: This Ukraine scandal, which came really out of left field, it just took us all by surprise, is literally uh, it's a bombshell. There's no other way to describe it. When you first saw, I mean, the, the story uh, over the course of a week was was breaking, and it wasn't until we actually got the uh, the readout, the summary of the phone call between Donald Trump and uh, the Ukraine Ukrainian president, that we realized just how damning this was. Um, it's inconceivable. I mean, your thoughts as somebody who deals with, uh, uh, you know, government, uh, did you ever think you'd see an American president engage in this kind of behavior?
4: Well, unfortunately, it's not shocking, given what Donald Trump has already done in the course of his presidency. But yes, it is a gross abuse of power, directly soliciting from the president of Ukraine foreign assistance to help with his own re-election Campaign and then engaging in bribery and extortion to try to get that foreign assistance. These are clearly high crimes. At the same time, we believe that we should not only be breathless and stunned by this impeachable mm-hmm. conduct, but we should be breathless and stunned by the impeachable conduct this president has committed at the southern border, yep. cruel and unconstitutional imprisonment of children and their families. We should be breathless and stunned by the racist abuses of power this president has committed, inciting violence, undermining equal protection of the laws, giving aid and comfort to white supremacists and neo-Nazis, and his massive corruption of the Oval Office. All of this and much more uh, has been shocking for some time now. But we're glad that Congress is finally advancing impeachment proceedings against this lawless president. We just do not believe it should only focus on the Ukraine scandal. It should focus on all of his impeachable offenses.
2: Without a doubt. And and you, you laid out a few of them there. I'd love to see a comprehensive list of all the, the potential um, uh, articles of impeachment that could be brought against this man. Um, based on the last two and a half years, uh, because there are many. Now, in fact, following Nancy Pelosi's announcement that the House would launch an, an official impeachment inquiry, you, uh, at, at Free Speech for People, joined with a few other groups, By the People, Credo Action, and Equal Justice Society, and you released a 24-page report that shows a pattern of Trump's racist rhetoric and policy actions called, When is Racist Abuse of Office an Impeachable Offense? Um uh, this is a big one. He's he's shown it uh, continuously over the last two and a half years. Um, <clears throat> and so you lay out a case that this is just, this is one avenue that they could take to impeach the president for good reason. Yes?
4: Absolutely. And, and the document which our legal director, Ron Fine, authored is comprehensive and addresses what occurred during Andrew Johnson's presidency when he faced articles of impeachment, which included an article of impeachment around his racist rhetoric. So there is already precedent for using the impeachment process to address this kind of racist abuse of power. But this president that we have today has clearly engaged in heightening racist, racist tensions, racial tensions in the country using his own racist rhetoric to do so but also inciting violence and undermining equal protection laws engaging in racism in his own policies again at the southern border uh, and elsewhere Uh, and this is all documented in this report which people can access at freespeechforpeople.org and I, i should also add that when you reference the the list that you'd like to see of all the impeachable offenses, we've documented that at impeachmentproject.org. We've identified 12 separate grounds for impeachment proceedings against this president, the most recent one being the Ukraine scandal.
2: Wow. Can you share some of those with us? Because I'm I'm leading somewhere, and it's my criticism of the way Nancy Pelosi has handled this thus far and appears to be handling it going forward. So you've identified 12 impeachable offenses. Do they include the 10 uh, charges of obstruction that were uh, written, that were delineated in the the Mueller report?
4: Right. So to be clear, what we outline are 12 impeachment grounds. Each ground actually has a number of offenses backing up that ground. So the 10 identified incidents of obstruction of justice are part of the obstruction of justice ground for impeachment. And certainly, the Mueller report identifies in detail uh, those 10 specific incidents of obstruction of justice. We also identify, as I said at the outset, the accepting of unconstitutional foreign and domestic emoluments, the mm-hmm. treating of the Oval Office as a profit making enterprise at the public expense. That is a, a separate ground. The conspiring to solicit and then conceal. Illegal foreign assistance for his 2016 presidential campaign. His willingness to accept foreign assistance from the Russian government to help him get elected in the first place is a separate ground. The directing of law enforcement, including the FBI and the Justice Department, to investigate and prosecute political adversaries and critics for improper purposes is a separate ground. And in fact, was one of the articles of impeachment that Richard Nixon faced Hmm. during the Watergate era. The abuse of the pardon power when, Mm -hmm. in August of 2017, this president pardoned former sheriff Joe Arpaio of Maricopa County, Arizona, when he had been found not just in civil contempt but in criminal contempt uh, for violating the constitutional rights of thousands of people under his jurisdiction in Arizona solely on the basis of the color of their skin, locking them up, putting them in tent camps. Uh, that use of the pardon power was an abuse of it and one that is a separate ground for impeachment. And the reckless endangering uh, uh, or uh, by threatening nuclear war uh, of, against Iran, against North Korea, uh, the, com- the commander in chief, which the president is, has... Uh, you know, certain standards that must be met, and one is not to recklessly endanger the country or the world. Uh, undermining freedom of the press, mm-hmm. the attacks mm-hmm. that this president has committed against reporters, against journalists, calling them enemies of the people, rising uh, you know the level of danger that journalists and reporters face as a result. Uh, the secret hush money payments mm-hmm. that this president, engaged in making prior to the 2016 election a conspiracy to violate federal campaign finance law which led him to be named individual one yep. the chief conspirator uh, in that scheme by the US Attorney's office of the Southern District of New York the abuse of the emergency powers uh, to try to build a wall on the southern border which Congress has explicitly refused uh, to allow uh, refuse to fund uh, and, and more than once, and yet this President takes monies from other funds to try to build that wall when he doesn't have the appropriation power, which is only exclusively given under Article One of the Constitution to the Congress, uh, as I mentioned, the cruel and unconstitutional imprisonment of children and their families at the southern border in violation of their due process mm-hmm. rights, their equal protection rights their rights under the Eighth Amendment against cruel and unusual punishment, the racist abuses of power uh, that I've highlighted, and now most recently with this Ukraine scandal, the seeking of foreign assistance for his 2020 re-election campaign and the use of bribery and extortion to try to get that assistance is astounding when you consider all these impeachment grounds, why Congress frankly has not moved much, much earlier to address this lawless behavior out of the Oval Office. We're glad that there's movement now, but it's happening because of a mass movement that's been built over many months with our allies in pressuring Congress to carry out its constitutional duty, and it will only complete that constitutional duty and send those articles of impeachment over to the U.S. Senate because of that movement keeping the pressure on. United States Congress.
2: Exactly. So, John Bonifaz, you you lay out uh, this list that just keeps going on and on and on of really egregious, serious, impeachable offenses. And uh, yet, you know, we've seen Nancy Pelosi push back on the idea until this Ukraine story broke. Now, I get it. This is it's all in one place. It's easy to digest. It's obviously Illegal, it's reprehensible behavior for a president of the United States, and it does form the basis for uh, an impeachment inquiry. What What's perplexing to me is Nancy Pelosi's position now that uh, reports say that she is looking at um, a very narrow approach that she is saying uh, it will focus exclusively on Ukraine. And there are some reports saying that they won't even have many, if any, hearings. They just want to go ahead now that they went and got, made sure they had the votes for, uh, uh, in support of, I guess, an impeachment inquiry before they actually did it. Isn't that sort of back ass words?
4: Yes, I mean I think we do need to have some impeachment hearings, but I do believe and, and we've been very clear about this at Free Speech of People with our allies, by the people, Credo Action others, that we should not drag out this process unnecessarily, that the evidence is overwhelming and that it can be presented to the American people in summary proceedings uh with a with a vote by November one hmm. out of the House Judiciary Committee on Articles of Impeachment and a vote on the floor by November 15th but the public needs to be further educated about all these impeachment grounds and it definitely should not be limited solely to the Ukraine scandal. Uh, you know, I think the other point to emphasize here is people say well why is she moving forward now when all these other matters occurred and the answer really is the sustained pressure that people all over the country placed on members of Congress including Speaker Pelosi mm-hmm. to carry out their constitutional duty. This this particular development, this particular uh, news cycle with this story emerged out of all that uh, pressure uh, came about you know in the context of that pressure, and that's what was the final straw that pushed this forward, which is all the reason more that we need to keep the pressure on and make sure that the scope is expanded and that the urgency of the moment is addressed for moving this forward to sending the articles of impeachment to the Senate for a trial.
2: Right. Now, I just read an interesting article at uh, the New Republic by Alex Perrine. The the headline reads something to the effect of the impeachment should not, the the end game of the impeachment should not be impeachment. I'm, 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 I'm blowing the paraphrasing of it. But basically, his thesis is that we need to get all this information, that whole laundry list of impeachable offenses you just laid out for us, out into the public sphere that's what hearings are for i mean i'm uh, i'm barely old enough to remember the watergate hearings and i know they were on our television every day when when the the inquiry began public sentiment was not in favor of impeachment it was throughout these televised hearings something like 250 hours plus in our living rooms every day that the public began to come around because they saw what richard nixon had done um isn't that part of the education process? Isn't that what it, it's going to take? Um, my, my worry is that before Nancy Pelosi would commit to an impeachment inquiry, she had to have the votes in order to pass it. And and I, I'm just thinking that and, and now with the um, idea that there might be very limited hearings on a very narrow scope is troubling to me because I would like to see Donald Trump removed from office for all the reasons you just set out. Um as of now, I think getting any Republicans to go along with it is a heavy lift. However, if they have hearings on all of those things you mentioned, if the, the public is, is presented with the facts, I don't think they have any choice but to vote to impeach, to remove him from office. And if they don't, well, that's it goes on the record as well.
4: You know, there's no question that Congress should have been doing its job and holding these hearings all along. Yep. You're right about that. The concern we have is that this president is such a danger to the republic yep. here and now that for congress to go forward with impeachment hearings into next year does not meet uh... the the urgency of the moment i mean the fact is this president is not just using the oval office to try to solicit foreign assistance from the no. president of ukraine he's doing so many other impe imp- committing so many other impeachable offenses as i've outlined here that every day, you know, he's effectively attacking our Constitution, our democracy and the rule of law. And so it's not like we have a matter of months before these charges need to be put before the Senate. It's a matter of weeks. That being said, the reality is that Congress can still hold hearings after issuing those articles. And in the Senate, we need to demand a trial, and that trial will be a further airing of... The, the grounds mm-hmm. and the house will will have managers that have to go and present those charges, and all of that will be a public education process, so it doesn 't end with the house votes uh, i I do think we need to expand the scope, but we have to treat the matter with the urgency it requires, and we know there will be some who claim as we mer- we get closer to the Iowa caucuses and the Hampshire primary. Who claim, well, we'll just impeach him at the ballot. And there is Ugh, no such no. thing under the Constitution for impeaching at the ballot. We hold elections every four years for president to decide whether somebody stays in office, whether someone else becomes president. We, we hold impeachment proceedings to deal with a direct and serious threat to the Republican. That's what we're facing
2: today. Without a doubt. So does it make any sense that the House this afternoon goes on recess for two weeks?
4: No, it makes absolutely no sense. And that's why we've joined by the People's Stand of America and many other allies in calling on this Congress and calling on Speaker Pelosi to cancel that recess and to continue uh, over the next many days uh, until November 1, if necessary, but not later than that, in issuing articles of impeachment out of the House Judiciary Committee. It makes absolutely no sense for them to start a recess now.
2: Now, you keep talking about the House Judiciary Committee. After yesterday and the the hearing with the acting director of national intelligence, uh, Joseph McGuire, um, it looks like, if I'm reading it correctly, that Nancy Pelosi has taken the, the, um, I guess, the oversight of the impeachment proceedings from judiciary and turned it over to the intelligence committee. Does that make sense?
4: Well, the Ukraine... The Ukraine scandal certainly deals both with the Judiciary Committee's jurisdiction, but also the Intelligence Committee's mm-hmm. jurisdiction. So that's why I think that hearing occurred yesterday with the Intelligence uh, Committee. But I, I, as I understand it in terms of news reports and what's been said, is that each of these other committees will transfer material to the House Judiciary Committee, and that's where the articles of impeachment will be drawn up. Uh, But certainly both those committees should be working, uh, you know, through this time period, and there shouldn't be a recess. Uh, And, uh, you know, I think that's what's critical now. And I do think what we've seen with respect to the Ukraine scandal is already a prima facie case for impeachment on those grounds of bribery, extortion, and seeking foreign assistance. So while other witnesses need to be called uh, you know, and and there needs to be hearings to help educate the public. This should not take a long period of time to establish the grounds for impeachment on that front.
2: Gotcha. So just to clarify, John Bonifaz, you're you're cool with the idea of just impeaching on the grounds of the the situation that's uh, been unleashed on us in the last week. The the Ukraine. No, no, I'm not. Oh. I'm not.
4: I, I, we definitely believe we have to expand the scope. Okay. I'm simply saying that you know when. We hear from some people, oh, we need this other piece of evidence, we need this other document to establish that the president engaged in bribery, extortion, and illegally soliciting foreign assistance. Our response is read the summary of Mm -hmm. his phone call on July 25th of this year with the president of Ukraine. That alone is a prima facie case for the impeachment on that ground. But on all these other grounds I've highlighted, racist abuses of power, unconstitutional imprisonment of children at the border, that too needs impeachment hearings, and that too needs separate articles of impeachment.
2: Great. Okay, good. Good. I'm glad I clarified that. Uh, Once again, the book, The Constitution Demands It, The Case for the Impeachment of Donald Trump, came out last year in 2018. In fact, at the time, I spoke with Ron Fine, one of your co-authors, on my program about it. And, And the great thing about the book is there's a lot of historical information about the history of impeachment in the United States. So you've drawn past impeachments as well, uh, in addition to showing the case for why this man should not be in this office any longer. Um, I'm glad we're at this point. I'm glad Nancy Pelosi has come around. Uh, It looks like we're heading in the right direction. Do you think, based on what we now know, as of today, Friday, September 27th, that, that... uh, in addition to the facts being laid out there, and in, in addition to Donald Trump having that impeached president asterisk next to his name, that the Senate might actually vote to remove him from office.
4: I think there's a possibility of it. I do think that there are going to be many senators who will be forced to face this question now, and they're going to be vulnerable in their own reelection, uh, you know, opportunities if, in fact, they vote to acquit this president in the face of this evidence. So I, I do believe that there is a possibility of it, but I, I don't think it's going to happen in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen if it does, because the people demanded it and because more and more people all across the country voiced their concerns to their senators, to their members of Congress, their outrage with respect to this lawless president. And, and I think that's how it will happen. Elizabeth Holtzman, Mm -hmm. who served on the House Judiciary Committee during the Watergate era, a member of Congress from New York, has said repeatedly that they did not start the House impeachment investigation in the Judiciary Committee in 1973 because of a special prosecutor's report or because of grand jury materials that have been made available to the Judiciary Committee. They started that process, she has said, because the people demanded it. And that is what's happened now. The people have demanded this impeachment process for many months. Millions of Americans all over the country have written, have called, have marched, have rallied demanding this. And that is why it is finally happening. And people say, well, the polling didn't show support. But already, already because of (laughs) Speaker Pelosi's announcement, we're seeing increases in the public polling numbers on this. And that is precisely because... When they see that the Congress is going to finally act and the evidence is being laid out, uh, the public will understand that this is what's paramount for our Constitution and our democracy, that we cannot allow someone in the Oval Office to engage in such defiance of the rule of law. That the bedrock principle that no one is above the law, not even the President of the United States, must be upheld.
2: Absolutely. Uh, John, and in fact, the polls are already showing a 13 percent swing yes. in, in favor of, of impeachment, which is that that's big for so fast. Um, John Bonifaz, uh, in addition to the book we mentioned, and you are the um, uh, founder and executive director, I think, of, of Free Speech for People. They're at freespeechforpeople.org. Um, tell us, for those who are not familiar with the organization, what you guys do.
4: We were launched on the day of the Citizens United ruling in January of 2010, uh, the ruling that equated corporations as people with political speech rights and Mm -hmm. overturned a century of precedent, barring corporate money in our elections. And we've been engaged ever since in taking on big money in politics, taking on unchecked corporate power. And after the November 2016 election, when we saw this unprecedented corruption coming into the White House, uh, we decided as a board that we could not be true to that mandate without also addressing that unprecedented corruption. And that's why we launched co-launched this impeachment campaign on the day of his inauguration. But we've also now taken on, with the National Election Defense Coalition, a new project to fight for election security uh, leading into the 2020 election, because we recognize with all these vulnerable and insecure voting systems in the country that our elections are not uh, free and fair if we continue to engage in voting on on systems that cannot be trusted for counting our votes. We cannot have faith-based voting. We must have evidence-based voting. And that's why we've taken on that fight as well.
2: Great. And so I, I encourage people to visit freespeechforpeople.org uh, to see the, the breadth of the work that you guys are doing over there because it's great. And I erroneously Demoted you. You're president, John Bonifaz, of Free Speech for People. Uh, Either way works, (laughs) Gotcha. I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you even more for the work you're doing. It's so important, especially now. And I really appreciate it. Thank
4: you. Appreciate the opportunity.
2: As John Bonifaz mentioned Free Speech for People's latest fight, to fight for election security, I figured this would be a good time to mention an email I got from listener Margo in Southern California, who wrote... Before I knew about his dad, I had emailed Brad to see if he would ask you to announce the L.A. Votes events this Saturday, September 28th, intended to hype the e-votes being foisted upon the residents of L.A. County without our consent. You can let people know to go to lavotes.org to find the location nearest them. The running hours are 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., It would be great if people who know the facts, thanks to Brad, would go in and challenge and test out the system and call out any flaws, hacks, lacks of actual paper ballots, etc. Even if just a few show up at each place, it'd help till a bigger movement can be organized to call out the board of supervisors for not letting us have a say about how we vote. So again, check out lavotes.org if you hear this in time. The event is going on Saturday, September 28th. If you're in the Los Angeles area, by all means, go. And with that, we come to the end of another edition of the Bradcast. I'm Nicole Sandler. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for your patience while I hold down the fort in Brad's absence. Until next time, as Brad always says, good luck world.